Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. It's time for Distractions with Chad and Nate. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Now, here's Chad and Nate. Our quarter billion dollar man, Russell Wilson, threw for 340 yards uh, on Monday night against the Seattle Seahawks, and the Broncos still lost. Um, Russell Wilson is is third after one week in passing yards in the NFL. You know who's number one? Patrick Mahomes. Good old Patty Mahomes. That's right. 360 yards for that guy. Five touchdowns. Zero. Interceptions. He's pretty good. He lit it up, no doubt about it. You think he's missing Tyreek? Doesn't seem like it. You think their offense is better without, without Tyreek? Yeah, uh, without that one guy to focus on all the time. Maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe so. That's a scary proposition for Bronco fans. It is. Um, you know, I've said it all along. The Chiefs are still the team to beat. I don't think that anybody has a beat on them. Uh, they clearly are motivated by the haters, right? The lack of respect that they get, and after Tyreek Hill left. Everyone's like, oh, they're screwed. They're done. Well, they lost Charvarius Ward, too, and Tyron Matthew. But they picked up some pieces. They're also very, very intelligent with the draft. And, uh, well, they're coming out hot. Matt Ryan is number two in the NFL in passing yards after one week. 352 yards. And the Indianapolis, Indianapolis Colts, the team he plays for, played against the Houston Texans. They tied 2020. Russell Wilson is number three. Joe Burrow threw for 338 yards, two touchdowns, four interceptions. They lost. Carson Wentz is number five on that list, 313 yards, four touchdowns, two picks. Joe Flacco's number six there. He threw for 307 yards, uh, one touchdown, one interception. But he also had 59 attempts. Joe Flacco. 59 attempts. That's what you don't want. So, six quarterbacks threw for 300 yards in the first game of the season. And only two of them won their game. And you look at the number of attempts, and it begins to make sense to you. Matt Ryan with Indy, 50 attempts. Tie ball game. Russell Wilson, 42 attempts. Loss. Joe Burrow, 53 attempts. Loss. Joe Flacco, 59 attempts. Loss. Um, So, yeah, there's a formula that we've talked about the last couple of weeks of running the ball, lessening the attempts for your quarterback, that equals winning football. So on the other side uh, of the coin, the running game, the the running leader in the NFL right now, Saquon Barkley, after one week he rushed for 164 yards last week on 18 attempts. One of those was 68 yards, and so the, the bulk of that came there. Jonathan Taylor. Rushed for 161 yards on 31 attempts. 31 carries. And how long can he keep that up? He had a good volume of carries when he was at Wisconsin, too. So uh, I think he's prepared for this. But, yeah, it's but, hard to imagine him going Emmett Smith and, you know, playing past, uh, you know, 12, 14 years. How long do you think he could keep it up? Six. Six tops? Yeah. Yeah. At that level? They get burned out pretty quick, don't they? They do. Remember Todd Gurley? Yeah. He had a couple good years there. And then it was, Yeah. I worry about my guy Derrick Henry out in Tennessee because they, you know, obviously they always try to start the season slow with him. 
Um, but at some point, they get behind in the game and they start to pound the rock and use him, and suddenly he's up towards the top of the league in carries and yards. And yeah, I, I get concerned about a big dude like that and how long he can last. DeAndre Swift had 144 yards on 15 carries. That's that's really good work there. He had a 50 yard run, um, and he had a 20 yard run, and he had a 40 yard run, and he had a touchdown. Pretty effective there, but they still lost that game. Nick Chubb, 141 yards on 22 carries, along of 25. Leonard Fournette, 127 yards, mm-hmm. 21 carries. Cordero Patterson, 120 yards on 22 carries. So six guys over 100 yards to start off the season. Uh, in the running back room, the the Bronco with the most yards, that's Melvin Gordon. He had 58 yards. And Javante Williams had fewer than that. He's not even on the first page of the NFL's statistics. He was 34th last week, 7 for 43. 43 yards. So between them, they had 100 yards. Do the Broncos need to focus more on the running game this week against Houston? Yes. Yes. And yes. Earlier I said what was with five no's in one sentence. That was three yeses right there. Um, yeah, they do. You want to keep Russell Wilson's attempts lower. You want to run the ball. Uh, Javante, again, Javante Williams is a problem. Defenses do not want to see a lot of him. And while I don't think he's a super explosive guy, <clears throat> he's not going to rip off 40 and 50-yard runs constantly, but he can wear a defense down with his physical style. And getting seven rushes out of him is not fully taking advantage of his skill set and what he does to a defense. Uh, he's got to be 15-plus um, to begin to wear down a defense and start to force some of those secondary guys into making some business decisions. I did like the number of receptions that he had because now you're, you're starting to beat up those corners a little bit when you do those flare routes to him, and he runs through those arms tackles. Those guys are you know diving at his feet. Um, so anytime you get the ball in his hands, it's going to be good. But I think seven carries is not enough to fully take advantage of what he brings offensively and what the mental effect he can have on a defense. So are they trying to manage his touches, or are they, are they adding – carries plus catches, and that's why they're handing it to Melvin Gordon, or was it a hot hand thing? And they were like, Melvin, you know, you're cooking right now, so so keep cooking. I, I think so. I think so. But, well, which one? Uh, I, I, would, I would think it may be the less of the, the management of touches and more so just the hot hand because Co- Coach Hackett has said, that's how I've always operated this thing when I got two running backs. I, I, we go with the hot hand. So that would make me think that that was the case. Um, I, I, I just saw... As the game went on, the difficulty with those guys were having with each carry from Javante trying to bring him down and what he what he means uh, to an offense. Again, defensively, it starts to chip away at your confidence when this dude is constantly out there breaking tackles. Um, and for a smaller DB, a safety or cornerback, or even a smaller linebacker, uh, suddenly you're hesitating. Because you want to wait for some help. You don't want to take this guy one-on-one and you just get run over. So you kind of hesitate and wait for some help. So somebody help me, please. Somebody give me some leverage. Let me, let's me let pin this guy to the sideline so we can push him out so we don't actually have to tackle this dude. So, again, seven carries is not enough of an opportunity to really begin to wear down and impose your will upon a defense. It takes 15-plus to do that. This is something we talked about a lot last year, the last couple of years with, with uh, Pat Shermer as the offensive coordinator, about, hey, man, run the damn ball. Why are you throwing the ball so much? You have this effective running game. Why are you doing this? 
And sometimes the consensus was, look, these these offensive coaches, they want to be head coaches, and so they want to air it out. That's how you flex your muscles, right, as an offensive coordinator, is by having a dynamic passing game. Who really celebrates you as an offensive genius when you run the ball effectively? Although it's happening now in the Shanahan world. Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel clearly got the head coaching job because he was the run game coordinator there, and he's not the passing game guy. But is there a chance that Nathaniel Hackett called that many passing plays for Russell Wilson because he just wants to flex that offensive genius muscle? I hope not. I really hope not. You've got a head coaching job. What is the point of this? Just your own ego? You've got the job. You've got the you know several million dollars a year salary. You, you've, you've achieved it. Now just go out and win football games. That's how you stay in that position. You don't stay in that position by putting up great stats you can show an owner some stats when you're trying to say, "Hey, look at us! We were six and ten last, or I guess it'd be this year, six and eleven last year." And uh, you know, look at my stats and see how we've been improving. No, at this point, you show the owner your win total. That's how you keep your job. So hopefully, Coach Hackett is not allowing any of that stuff. Russell Wilson turning to Seattle. Let's get Russ to cook. Uh, let's pad my stats so everybody can think I'm an offensive genius. If he's, if he's having any of those thoughts. That would be incredibly disappointing. And I just sincerely don't think that is the case. He doesn't strike me as that kind of guy. Uh, I would so 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 what so what is it? Because because the Broncos had twenty rushing attempts in the game, forty two passing attempts. Clearly the running game was, was pretty effective, but so was the passing game. But you still want to create a create balance. He's a first year head coach, he's calling the plays for the first time. But Kevin O'Connell over in Minnesota, also first year head coach. Calling plays for the first time. Sean McVay was calling him right in L.A. So uh, O'Connell was a was a finalist here, or at least on a lot of people's short lists. And in that game, Kirk Cousins threw the ball thirty two times, and they had twenty eight rushing attempts. So that's a pretty good balance there. Fantastic. But they also jumped out to an early lead right. against the uh, the Green Bay Packers, and were able to kind of sit on that a little bit. So. Doesn't the flow of the game kind of dictate that a little bit? The flow of the game does what so- someone's giving you defensively. If they're constantly stacking the box, then you got to throw the ball. It's, it's, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to keep running against eight-man boxes. So the, the structure of the defense you're going against also dictates those numbers. If that defense is willing to give you some passing yards, then you'd be foolish not to take them. But overall, the more you can run the ball, the better your balance is, typically the better your win-loss record is. So you always are striving for that, understanding that situationally and from opponent to opponent, teams may do some things to try to eliminate that for you. Not everybody is down on the Broncos right now. There's one national media member who says there's hope for the Broncos. We'll hear from him next. You're listening to Chad and Nate on Denver Sports Station, 1043 The Fan. She's simply awesome. Day 194 of the Billy Ocean campaign. Number 94 has some, uh, some pretty notable players. Some you might recognize. Our very own Chad Brown. Yes. Chad Brown. Chad Brown. You got that one? Yeah. Johnny? Chad Brown. Chad Brown. There we go. That's Pat McAfee, right? Yeah. DeMarcus Ware. Yeah. Domata Petco. Oh. I don't know who that is. Cam Jordan. Killing it out there with the Saints. Charles Haley. Yes. He's a bad, bad man. Bad man. Five. Five Super Bowl. Five-time Super Bowl champion. 
Is that the most other than Tom Brady? I believe so. Wow. Yeah. Most for a defensive player. Uh, I believe that is correct. Got to be, right? Can't think of anyone else who's, who's, who would be close. Any Well, any of those Steelers defenders from back in the day with, with All Brad Shaw's? Yeah. Yeah, I guess uh, that's like a good Jack. Jack Ham, <laughs> Jack Ham, Jack Lambert, Mean Joe Green, Donnie Shell, um, yeah, all those guys. Uh, Mel Blunt. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure how many they all got, but I would imagine at least one or two of them has at least the four. Who's the longest tenured like core defensive player on those Patriots teams? Teddy Bruschi. Because uh, Vrabel Richard came, Seymour. Vrabel came over from Pittsburgh. Um, Richard Seymour, he was still kind of in his prime when Belichick sent him out to Oakland. So maybe Teddy is the longest. What was that like, six or seven years? Or Teddy was there for eleven or oh, he was there eleven that long. or twelve. Yeah, and he was, he was he was drafted by Bill Parcells. Oh, and then played through Parcells and in, in deep into the you know Patriot Super Bowl runs. And he retired a Patriot. Retired a Patriot. Doesn't happen a lot. He's the ultimate Patriot, according to Bill Belichick. Why is that? Guy with not a you know super athletic skill set, but did everything right. Made the they made the right plays. Didn't make the athletic play. Made the right play. Understood situational football. Did everything right. Did his job. No matter what was asked. All that kind of thing. Someone, uh, someone is watching us right now because obviously we're on Twitch. But someone saying, "Chad didn't well, not, just saying didn't know it was White Tea Wednesday." Chad yes. and I are both wearing white T-shirts. You and I, we wear uh, T-shirts from the same T-shirt company. We do. And it's uh, seemingly at least once a week we walk in with the same color shirt from this company. But you're wearing some kind of sweats or something, some like some, some workout kind of yeah. skinny sweats. Some some fancy old man sweats, as <laughs> I call them. Fancy old man sweats. Because you wouldn't like go hoop in these. Why not? Uh, just because they're fancy old man sweats. Yeah. These are not, you know, they're like 100 bucks plus, so they're not. Cooper sweats. They're uh, walk around and look at me. I'm cool sweats. Do you have any just like, wow. you know, broke ass twenty dollar Target sweats? I tell you what's happened and since I've. It's been so long since I've played, and now it's been a while since I've coached. All my free gear is all like falling apart. Oh, so man. I actually got to go like go buy some athletic shorts. I actually have to buy my own clothes. Yeah, it's weird, man. I don't like it. Wait, Raj doesn't give you free clothes here? <laughs> no, Raj, there's no free fan gear. There's no Nike deal that comes with this fan uh, job. So, Well, there yeah. should be. What? Nike, if you're listening, we'll wear Nike t-shirts. <laughs> I'll wear a Nike hat on the air. I'll, I'll wear Nike sweats Yes, if you send them to me. But we are t-shirt bros all the time. It's it's hysterical because we don't, we don't ever consult on this. We just show up and go, look at us, same shirt. <laughs> just again. a feeling in the air. You wake yeah. up, you're like, ah. Feels like a white t-shirt day. White tee Wednesdays. Yes. All right, before the break, I tease that there is a national media member who has not is not as down on the Broncos as others are, and that's Jeff Saturday. He was on with Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max this morning during a segment called Zero, 50, or 2, or, or to the max where they were uh, scaling their concerns on different subjects. And when it came to their concern level on the Broncos, Saturday had this to say. I'm going to say zero. 
Listen, if you saw once Russell Wilson started hitting his wide receivers, those are some massive physical human beings. They're going to make plays with the ball in their hand. I got no concern long term. It's, I mean, I don't know what the odds, 22, whatever that is, compared to everybody <laughs> else. But I'm saying when you look at them, on the, they will get better with Russell Wilson and this football team. They laid an egg a bit. You can't get inside the five-yard line three times to score three points. You can't fumble it twice. Everybody's going to talk about the kick, all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, they should have won that game. Easily. Yeah, agreed. At end of the day, they should have won the game. They will clean up those mistakes, and those receivers did look pretty darn good, Chad. Hear all of that? I would agree with all of that. But Jeff and you have been along, along the NFL long enough to know mistakes just don't suddenly go away. You've got to clean them up. So, because this is a new coach and a new friend, a new organization, a new quarterback, all these new pieces, how long is that going to take? Uh, while I'm optimistic and expect all those things to happen, to say I have zero concern, how could you watch what happened Monday and have zero concern? Because so that, that would assume that all the mistakes... But he's got three choices to choose from. Okay. But all the mistakes you saw out there, to walk away with zero concern, I know it's a scripted uh, kind of segment where you got to choose one of those three answers there, um, that would be... Uh, a step too far for me to say I have zero concern. All right, then. If you compare, though, what you saw Monday night with this offense, just the offense, uh-huh. with what you saw last year yeah, with this offense, mm-hmm. isn't there some room for optimism? Isn't there something to feel good about? Absolutely. But I think we all expected this offense to be better. You got Russell Wilson at quarterback. You should be better than, than what we saw last year. Um, and Nathaniel Hackett comes in with a much more uh, offensive mindset than Vic Fangio had clearly. So he's willing to be a little bit more freewheeling with his offensive style, less conservative. You say freewheeling? Freewheeling. Okay. Wheeling. Uh, I love to- that movie. <laughs> Isn't it the best? Yes, when he the, the whale flies over everybody and they open their mouths in awe. Yes, that's fantastic. I actually haven't seen freewheeling. Okay. All right. Well, you probably have to watch it with your kid one of these days. Huh. It's a childhood staple. It's a tearjerker? It's a tearjerker, yes. Uh, that's where you actually see if your kid has any empathy. It's an important movie to watch to, for, to test your kid. Oh, really? If he's an empathetic person. And what's the test? Does he cry? Does he have empathy? Does he cry at free on free at free <laughs> Does he cry for this whale who you know we're we're trying to pull out the heartstrings? And, Did you cry? Uh, Willie? No, you I was cried. I was a grown up, but my kids cried. It's a great test of empathy. Can they empathize and feel someone else's feelings outside of themselves? It's a great test. There was a there was a time in my life uh, in my early twenties. I was just I was I was having a really rough day, uh-huh. and I watched <laughs> Tommy Boy, and there's a an emotional scene in Tommy Boy when he's talking to his dad. Yeah. And I cried. I cried in Tommy Boy, Soft. so I'm, I, I probably I probably wouldn't cry at Free Willy. Have you ever seen the movie Whale Rider? Yes, about the New Zealand girl, right? Yeah, yeah. I cried in that That's, one. Yes, it's a tearjerker. It is a tearjerker. Yes, it, it literally it jerks the tears right out of you. The the, the skill set of filmmakers to be able to elicit emotions from me, uh, I'm awed by that. It's like wow, with the combination of lighting, camera work. Uh, some some plinky plunky music, and suddenly I'm over here on my couch crying. Have you ever cried watching a football game? Never, not one time. Being in one, uh, after. every other one after. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of our one of our faithful texters, uh, Rogan Bro, uh-huh. as I coined him, and now he calls himself that, which I appreciate. 
said, Chad, Steeler trivia question for you. How did Joe Green get the get the name Mean Joe Green? I believe he got it when he was at North Texas State. Uh, I believe it was a college nickname, not an NFL nickname. And I'm not sure quite of uh, where the origins of that nickname comes from, but it's a great moniker because he played the game very meanly um, and was kind of the heart and the mindset of that Steelers dynasty defense. Yeah, Brogan, bro, maybe you can uh, add a follow-up text. And Do you have the answer or were you just asking? Um, someone saying the empathy test is homeward bound. Oh, that's also another good one for you. Yes, to watch with your children and see if they can feel someone else's feelings. Someone texting in, and uh, Ryan from North Glen saying, I cried after Super Bowl 50. <laughs> Felt so relieved. <laughs> yeah. Come Why on, are you laughing man. at him, man? I'm, I'm appreciating. It's about he felt fandom. So- I have long said, particularly when I coach uh, Pop Warner kids, crying is a part of football. It's, I know there's that line from the what? from the major league uh, baseball movie with Tom Hanks <laughs> when he was coaching those girls, a women's baseball team. Like, there's no crying in baseball. There is crying in football. Grown men cry all the time. It's hard to even talk to like Dick Vermeil without him crying. He's a Hall of Fame head coach. <laughs> um, you know, I watched Kevin Green ball in the locker room after we lost the Super Bowl. Literally with a towel over his face. Red face, snot coming out of his nose, crying so hard. So these giant grown men who are Hall of Famers, who are as manly men as you can possibly be, football elicits emotion, no doubt. Because it takes you takes you all the way to the edge, man. It, 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 it depletes you so thoroughly. Like after a game in which you gave absolutely everything you have and you have nothing left, Physically, spiritually, emotionally, sometimes the best thing to do is to cry. Does Mike Kliss cry? We're going to ask him that next. Denver Sports Station 1043, the fan presents Chad and Nate. It's like this, it's like that, it's like this, and uh, we've got Mike Kliss on the line of Nine News joining us, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Mike, Cliss, have you ever cried at a sporting event? Sporting event, um, not that I, uh, not that I recall. I'm a, I'm a happy crier. Uh, you know, in the movie, uh, you know, like when the Grinch stole Christmas and he was mean <laughs> and stole all the presents and and the tree, and then Whoville welcomed the Grinch. Jim Carrey brought back all the presents and they sang around the tree. That made me cry. I was a tearjerker. Uh, <laughs> that was a tear but, uh, I'm not, yeah, but I'm not a sad, you know, I don't necessarily cry at funerals or anything like that. Uh, the happy, the happy makes me cry. Okay, good. Well, um, good to know. Cause we we're having that, that conversation earlier about, about movies that make you cry and sporting events. And some, some folks were texting in about sporting events that made them cry. Uh, some folks might've cried on Monday night. When Brandon McManus missed that field goal, it was a heartbreaker for the Broncos. But I want to ask you, did they come out of it clean? Were there any injuries that we need to know about going into week two against the Texans? Yeah, Quinn Miners is going to be out a while. I'm aware of that one. There may be another one that wasn't obvious during the game. You know, sometimes uh, injuries occur. They flare up on the plane ride on the, on the way back, you, you know, the adrenaline subsides and the next morning you're in trouble and you go get an MRI. I'm not aware of any of those. I know Quinn Miners um, has a grade two strain and a hamstring and he's out four weeks. 
So that'll hurt. I thought he was. Uh, I thought him and Cam Fleming were really opening up the right side for Javante Williams early. Broncos got away from that somewhat, or Seattle made an adjustment, one or the other. And uh, so he's going to be out four weeks. Graham Glasgow uh, filled in, and and I think Graham did well. The only problem was, you know, he couldn't hear the uh, the audible from pass to run on that uh, third and one play to Javante. And um, but so Quinn Miners will be down for about four weeks. It looks like. What about uh, where's Josie Jewell and Billy Turner? What's the report on them? They both missed Monday night's game. Yes, uh, the fact that Josie Jewell um, strained his calf on Tuesday, on Thursday before the game and didn't make the trip. Um, I suppose the, there's a chance he'd come back for this game, but I think it makes more sense. For him to wait one more week, you know, wait a couple weeks on a calf strain or a calf pull. And um, Billy Turner, I think, is about the same way. I think uh, I think Billy Turner, San Francisco, uh, from what I understand, is, is kind of the target date for Billy Turner. But more will be known today. Mike, the Denver Broncos had 12 penalties for 106 yards. They had two turnovers, two very, very costly ones down there on the goal line. What do you attribute that sloppiness to? Yeah, two things. I do think crowd noise was uh, was definitely a factor in, in five of those penalties, five or six. You know, the motion, the two delay of games, um, those, those type of penalties. Uh, the undisciplined nature, I, I, you know, just attribute to it was their first game they played in a long time uh, since uh, since January of last year. You know, you, you guys uh, talked about the uh, preseason. I know uh, with Chad, I was looking at the schedule. We were on uh, Nine News for Broncos tonight a, a week or so ago, and we were making our predictions. And I was saying six and two to the bye. And uh, Chad kind of uh, came in there and says, I'm not so sure they're going to play well before the bye because of no preseason and the way they ran training camp. And uh, I, I think he can chalk up game one to Chad Brown. Um, that, that was a game I had the Broncos winning. I think a lot of people had the Broncos winning that game. But I, but I do think the lack of preseason hurt them. And Kareem Jackson admitted as much uh, in the postgame in an interview with Rod. You know, the defense communication was an issue on the two wide-open tight end touchdown passes, and um, he said he thinks preseason was a, was had an impact on uh, allowing those two touchdowns. So that wasn't the only reason. I, they still could have, should have won that game. But, um, you know, I think the lack of preseason did hurt him in game one. Thanks for the shout-out, Mike. I certainly appreciate that. I'll be uh, peacocking around town. Uh, thank you for that. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's, let's shift the narrative a little bit. Uh, some of the texters on the text line are a little uh, feeling like we're a little over-negative with our reaction to this Broncos game. Uh, what would you say is the biggest positive that came out of Monday's night? I thought the offense moved the ball well. You know, it's it looks like a well- schemed, well-designed offense, you know, and it's going to take a while. Again, no preseason, ran, ran the training camp a little different than, than other coaches have run training camps. So back in you guys' day, um, you know, they weren't, they, they weren't sharp, and they still had 433 yards of total offense. You know, there was, there was some points in the game where they were really pushing uh, – 
the line of scrimmage, the, the Broncos' offensive line, I thought, was really moving the Seattle defensive front, similar to how Buffalo was moving the Broncos in that preseason game. The difference was the Broncos weren't finishing. You know, they did as they, as they got inside goal to go. I don't know if the noise factor or whatever. They just didn't execute. And, you know, and they they had like four downs. You know, they had four downs from the three. They had uh, four downs from the from the seven. They had four downs from the from the you know inside the five and all those downs, and they couldn't get it done. And uh, that was uh, that was definitely this the, the game. Really, was the you know the three goal to goes, and instead of twenty one points, they got you know three points. And um, but um, the, the the positive was they did move the ball. You know, um, they they ran it well at times. And uh, uh, Russell Wilson, I thought, looked good. Not great, but he looked good. And, um, you know, they have to use the receivers a little more, I think, and uh, maybe a little more early. But um, all in all, I, I you know, I like the offense. The defense shut them down in the second half. They made adjustment. That was good. I don't give them too much credit because it's one thing to uh, – it, it You know, it just seems like this Denver defense has played well when behind the last few years. Um, let, uh, let's see them uh, play well and when, when they're ahead. That's, that's going to be the key to this defense. And unfortunately for them, on uh, Monday night, they were not ahead in that game. They, I, don't, I don't think they were ever ahead, right? They, they, tied it a, they tied it once, but they were never ahead in that game. And so uh, that's, that's going to be the real trick for the defense. And, you know, allowing those two wide-open, easy um, touchdown passes to Geno Smith, that's, it's hard to give him a good grade. All right, Mike, what do you make of Coach Hackett's decision to kick that 64-yarder at the end of the game? I, I said it in the press box. It was foresight, not, not uh, negative or, or not uh, hindsight. I said, uh, boy, I'd go for it on fourth and five. This is, this is why you paid Russell Wilson. This is why he gave up two first-round picks and two second-round picks. Now, I'm sitting there, you know, sky high with a little time to think, and and uh, I'm thinking, you know, the, the whole storyline. I'm, I'm writing at the same time, and I, and I know what the Hollywood script is supposed to be, and I'm writing it as the game is unfolding there inside of four minutes. And then um, um, he took the script away from me, Hackett did. So... Doesn't he know what? Doesn't he know the Hollywood script, Mike? Doesn't he yeah, know how know. this movie's supposed to end? I know. Apparently, he had a different script of where if you get to the forty-six, you know, game over. And um, so, you know, and then after McManus took the practice swing, the, the free practice swing, and missed it pretty badly, then I was telling the guys in the press box, I'd bring the offense out now. You know, you saw what he can do. It didn't look very good. Bring the offense out. Let's. Let's try the five, uh, the fourth and five. And, uh, you know, Hackett had the other thoughts where he got that one out of the way. He almost made it, you know, almost, almost, almost. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I had him going fourth and five. I understand why he did it. You know, the, the whole preconceived plan of the 46 kind of bit him. Um, you know, had Javante gained only eight yards instead of nine, <laughs> they're going for it on fourth and fourth and six rather than fourth and five. But uh, it was kind of a, a series of unfortunate events to bring in another uh, to bring in another uh, tearjerker. Lemon snickets, yeah, to bring in another tearjerker for me. <laughs> All right, Mike. Thanks for joining That's us, tough, buddy. buddy. Appreciate it. See you guys. That's Mike Cliss.
Nine News, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. All right, when we get back, we're going to put a bow on this whole thing, and maybe we'll move on to the Houston Texans next week, but 10 more minutes, we're going to talk about the game. That's next. It's Chad and Nate on Denver's Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Some super-duper bad stuff in the game, but some super-duper good stuff happened in the game, and Mike Kliss was alluding to some of it with the wide receivers who looked pretty darn good and maybe should be used a little bit more. Um, they didn't dial up a pass to any of those guys until the second quarter. They were thrown to the tight ends, which is awesome. All those tight ends seem heavily involved in the offense. The running backs, obviously, heavily involved in the passing game. Javante had 11 catches. 11! Uh, but but Jerry Judy and Corliss Sutton didn't get going until a little bit later. But when they did, they really did get going. Jerry Judy had four catches for over 100 yards and a touchdown. And that 67-yard touchdown, which was a beautiful play. It was underthrown. He came back. He made a nice catch on it. Uh, his guy fell down. He accelerated past the other dude. Showed some speed out there that we don't always get to see. But also Cortland Sutton out there making plays. Nathaniel Hackett had something to say about Cortland. Oh, he did great. I mean, he had one versus own coverage, and Russ had to break out. And, I mean, he's a big body target, so he's easy to find when he's moving around. Uh, I think he had two, at least two on the scramble drill, uh, which is great because that's part of football, you know, to be able to break out and make a play down the field. I think that was really great to see. Great to see also after last year kind of disappearing a bit after he signed that big contract. Uh, he didn't miss a game last year, Cortland didn't, but he didn't look like himself. He looked like himself the other night. He did. He looked good in the operating in the middle of the field. I think that's going to be a space where they like his bigger body, <clears throat> kind of on those crossing routes in the middle of the field. Um, I was impressed with the wide receiver core. The, the Jerry Judy catch, uh, obviously that was kind of a 50-50 ball because Russell Wilson underthrew it. Uh, Jerry Judy outcompeted the, the DB for Seattle. Uh, again, you know, it was a rookie DB. I'm happy to see Jerry Judy win that battle. I don't think Russell Wilson should throw that kind of ball again. It's not a high probability kind of play, but you got a guy who can go up and get it. You don't want to throw it up to your guy and let him go win? You, ideally, you want to hit him in stride as he's running down the sideline. You, yeah. want to put, you want to put more air under that football. You do, but sometimes under-throwing a ball to a guy who's more athletic than the guy covering him isn't a bad idea. I, I'd, I'd prefer to see Cortland Sutton, the bigger body guy, get the more of the 50-50 balls than the smaller guy with Jerry Judy. Um, and Jerry Judy's not exactly a football attacker as a catcher. Because even that ball, he kind of caught it low by his waist and kind of corralled it in. He didn't go up and pluck it out of the air with his hands. He didn't high point that football. He, he is. He does continue to have some some problems catching the football with his hands. Right. You saw that fourth quarter play where he that was just a an egregious drop. Bad. Mm-hmm. Can't have that. But those plays were were pretty good. A good sign for this offense. You mentioned the rookie corner that he was up against. There was two rookie corners there. Um, should they feel still feel as good about themselves beating rookie corners like that? And conversely, on the other side of the ball, this was the first time a team had ever started a rookie left tackle and a rookie right tackle. Bradley Chubb got to the quarterback twice. Randy Gregory had a fumble uh, that he caused. Is that a product of those rookies that are out there? Uh, I think Bradley Chubb just kind of got going because uh, Bradley Chubb didn't have a lot of success in the first half. Um, but as a pass rusher, when you get enough – opportunities against a younger, more inexperienced player, 
your repertoire of moves should begin to take over. And that's what happened for Bradley Chubb. So that was nice to see. Um, I thought the rookie did a pretty good job for the first half. But then after that, the superior player with more experience and more savvy was able to bring his game forward. Uh, I would have liked to see more production from Randy Gregory, only the one tackle. Um, I'd like to see a little bit more sideline to sideline from Bradley Chubb. Uh, he makes plays in the box. I want to see you chasing stuff down a little bit more, your hair on fire kind of thing. Is that something you can coach up? Uh, it should be. You know, every play we were running uh, because you guys, there's we saw Barry Browning and Jonathan Cooper in the game. So it's not like you're asked to play all game long. You can get a blow when you need one. Did you so, see him, like, loafing? Bradley Chubb? Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say loafing, um, but there's a, there's a lot of gray area in between loafing and your hair is on fire. Um, you know, we saw... Uh, gosh, who do we see? Um, Michael Parsons make a number of plays where he was literally like he was shot out of a cannon. Now, Bradley Chubb's not that kind of guy, but I still want to see that kind of attitude. I've got a high, very high standard for linebacker play. Call me crazy. You know, I, I know what great linebacker play is, and so often it's based on purely your effort. Do you just want to chase the ball down and make a tackle across the field, or do you not? Are, are, are you determined to outcompete your teammates to be the first guy there, or are you not? So, yeah, I know I've got an insanely high standard, but this guy can play to that standard. I imagine, though, it's a hard mental task to convince yourself to chase the ball down when the likelihood of you actually getting it and making that tackle isn't always great, right? So I liken that to a kind of a backside run block as a receiver. Most of the time, that run ain't going to bust out to the second level and be there on the safety. But the time that you decide not to go bust your ass and go make that block, that's when it happens. Yes. So you have to go chase that thing like your hair is on fire every time. Uh, a lot of teams I was on, we started every defensive practice doing the pursuit drill. Um, we watched the Broncos practice. We didn't see a lot of that pursuit drill stuff early in practice. Maybe it was uh, after we had left. Maybe they still did it. I, I can't say for certain that it did not exist. But I don't recall seeing it when we were out there in training camp. Every defensive practice on some of my other teams, you brand the pursuit drill just to get honed into your mind. Every single play, we are running and chasing the football. All 11 of us are doing that. Uh, when I was a, an intern coach in San Francisco, uh, every practice in the offseason, pursuit drill was a part of that just to develop that mindset that we all run to the football, all 11 of us, nose guard, backside corner, uh, pass rusher who rushed the quarterback, then you got to peel out and chase the ball down the field. Everyone's doing that. That's how you create turnovers. That's how you scoop up turnovers. That's how you create plays. And that really is the difference between winning and losing football games. From a defensive perspective, absolutely. Offensively as well. The example I just gave you, that's the difference between a five-yard run and a 50-yard run. And you saw Jerry Judy whiff on a block Mm -hmm. in a game that could have been a 50-yard run. All right, one more thing I want to get to really quick. We only have a minute. But at the end of Nathaniel Hackett's presser, he was asked about the timeouts that he was calling at the end of the game. Here's what he said. I was trying to see if they if they would give me another timeout so I can get three timeouts. And uh, then I could have made him do something on fourth down. So I was trying to see if I could trick him into uh, or it wasn't necessarily that. You know, it, it's one of those things. Probably shouldn't have done that, but was hoping I can uh, steal another timeout. <laughs> what? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What? What do you make of that answer, Chad? Oh man! That's right, should have done. Oh, coach, coach, coach! You don't want to do things that make it seem like you don't know the situation on the field, or you, or you're just 
trying something. You gotta have, I mean, you use the word plan all these other times, and now suddenly you're just gonna be trying something. Now, so do you think he was being, like, do you think he was serious that he was actually trying to convince the refs to give him an extra timeout? Like that he yeah, maybe thought he could trick him? Maybe no one was paying attention? Uh, I don't think he was actually, hopefully he wasn't actually serious that the rest would somehow lose track of that. Um, but if that's your goal, I mean, does the other team have to execute the center quarterback exchange and have crazy things happen in NFL history? So is it a, is it a possibility by calling the timeout there? Do you have a be, problem with that part of it? No. Hoping I, that they fumble the snap. I I have, I have uh, raised the anger of my opponents with uh, trying to get in between the guard center gap in a kneel down situation, you're hope, that guy. In hopes to you disrupt. are that guy. No, I didn't. It was nothing dirty. You are that guy. I am that guy, but nothing dirty. I wasn't trying to hit the guard center or the quarterback, but I wanted to knife in there and try to disrupt that because I'm I'm unwilling to concede. You guys are kneeling down at the thirty yard line. If we fumble and recover this, there's time enough time we can kick a field goal. So this game is not, in my mind is not over yet. If it's we're down by 14, yeah, the game's over. We're down by two points. We're in field goal position. If I can disrupt that center quarterback exchange and we recover the ball, I'm all for it. So if that's what Coach Did it ever was, work? Uh, no, it made my opponents very, very upset. Right. So you know how every once in a while at the end of the game when the game's over and they're kneeling it down and some defensive player does exactly what you just described, yep. there's a fight. Yep. Did you ever cause one of those fights? Oh, they tried to fight me. Oh, yeah, the Kansas City Chiefs were so mad. So mad. I wonder why. Yeah. The game was over, Chad. No, it wasn't. There was time on the clock. We were down by two points. We could kick a field goal from that field position. It wasn't over. 14 points. All right, Chad Hackett. I concede. All right, I concede. Chad Hackett. Um, I, so maybe, I, maybe just convince him to give you an extra timeout, huh? I, 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 so I can understand where Coach Hackett was coming from. There was time on the clock. There was still an opportunity to win the game. All right. Whatever you say, man. That's, uh, that's it for me and Chad Hackett. Stay tuned for Stokely and Zach there next. Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.